much, Pastor Leanne. Wow, this is very, very exciting. Before we jump into making a fuss of the girls, I just want to say, uh, Pastor Andrew, uh, Pastor Peter, they've really carried uh, the week-to-week uh, of the program this year, and well done. Pastor Peter has been leading the program for 14 years. Can you believe that? David had 14 years in caves, 14 years. It's just extraordinary and, and just the perfect man. And most of us here um, have been deeply affected by him. And Pastor Andrew as well. Uh, Andrew and Sue were telling me, so uh, Andrew's wife Sue were telling me this week, that this year is the first year they haven't had a student like this in their home in 24 years. Can you believe that? 24 consecutive years where they've opened up their home and their family to allow a young person to live with them. So they really wear it uh, in their hearts, on their sleeves, and uh, we really appreciate that as well. So give them a round of applause, Andrew and Sue. So I'm really excited today to be with you to graduate, and well done, ladies. Don't they look fantastic? You know, they're shining on the outside and they're shining on the inside. It's been such an honor to spend time with them over the last few years uh, in a more intimate way in class times and prayer and talking and whatever. And uh, they've just been, they're very, very impressive young ladies if you don't know them. And that is because they've allowed God into their hearts to transform their lives uh, over and over again. So what we're going to see this morning is a little two-minute video from each of them just reflecting on the year. And then Zoe's got the microphone because then I'm going to ask her a question off the back of that just to share. And she's excited because she's got no idea what I'm going to ask. And I don't even know what I'm going to ask. So uh, we can roll the first uh, video. So this is a little bit of a reflection uh, from Zoe on the year. has highlighted me for my whole life. I was never the child who would volunteer for anything. Too afraid of not being good enough. Constantly second-guessing myself. Surprisingly, this leadership course has been the only thing that I haven't second-guessed. And it's been every bit worth it. My name's Zoe, I'm 20 years old, and I can confidently say that I am a leader. This year, I've learned to redefine what leadership is. I used to think that leadership was a title you wore or a position you held, but I've come to learn that leadership is an attitude and a willingness to take responsibility and make decisions. You don't have to be the one standing on stage to be a leader. Accelerate has taught me this by giving me the opportunity to explore different ministry areas, allowing me the space to seek out responsibility and encouraging me as I did. For example, taking the lead in managing social media for the youth ministry team and developing my cutting edge creativity on a variety of platforms. With each decision I made in supporting the youth ministry team and helping in kids ministry, I grew in confidence and now, unlike in the past, I freely offer my abilities unafraid of not being good enough because I've come to realize that the best thing a leader can do is support others and help them reach their potential. Something I could only have done by realizing my own capabilities. I'm incredibly grateful for Accelerate and the opportunity they have given me to live in two very different families' homes where I experienced an environment unlike anything I had known before. The home is the perfect place to discover acceptance and exercise personal leadership. I've learnt many skills by doing so. Practical ones such as how to cook, how to clean and communicate openly, and how to have healthy relationships. No longer do I consider myself to be a burden to those around me who needs to earn love. Instead, I've seen my value as a daughter first. And with that, I've discovered the joy of helping others and I've learnt to love who I am. I now willingly volunteer and indecision and uncertainty no longer paralyze me. 
Accelerate has given me the confidence to be the leader that I am meant to be. Amazing, well spoken. Where do you see yourself oh, in the <laughs> Jazz, stop taking over. <laughs> Olivia, stop it, get out of here. Far out, everyone's jumping in. That's better, that's better. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about the houses that you've been in, Zoe. Who have you lived with? So last year I lived with the Mephis, and this year I lived with the Rose. Great. So Justin and Lucy, a young couple in the church, yeah. three sons, or maybe two sons at that point? Yeah, two sons at that point. Okay. And then yeah. Scott and Jenny, who are down there as well. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you're currently there, aren't you? Yes. Are you going to be staying with them, or are you happy to see the back of them and move <laughs> on? <laughs> no, no, I love them. I love them. So I'll be staying with them next year. They've you're going to stay with them next year as well. Yeah. yeah. Yes. If I was a young person unmarried, I would want to live with Jenny Rose. <laughs> And be cooked for by her every day as well. Yes, yes, she's amazing, she's amazing. <laughs> Zoe came over to our place with the ladies this week and uh, my wife was very nervous in putting morning tea together because Zoe lives with Jenny and <laughs> there's, there's just a high standard there of hospitality. So, uh, so what, what's really the thing that you've got out of living uh, in these two different homes? What have you really learned over the last two years? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. So last year I was the oldest of the family out of all the kids. So I got to experience being an older child and looking after young children. And then this year, I'm like the youngest in the household. So I also got to, to be the youngest, be a bit more, well, you know, younger children, they're a bit, they can do whatever they want. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I managed to, to get Josh and Jordan to do my bidding. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I've learnt, um, I've learnt that. The, the people, they're not my family. They, they didn't know me from a bar of soap two years ago, but now I consider them family and they, they see my capabilities and my strength and they, they encourage me. So I've learnt to, to not be afraid and to give things a go. That's great. Really, really good. And what a great representation that is of Christian community. Like what community allows people in their homes, gives people a go, helps you know, almost parent or mentor in, in a day-to-day -day living environment, you know, that's, that's a great reflection of the Christian community and what we do as a church and what many churches do. It's very, very special. It's very unusual and uh, just great to see right here a life that's been really impacted by that and I know lots have as well. So let's uh, hear from uh, Jasmine, reflection on the year. Where do you see us? Where do you see yourself in ministry? Do you know where you want to serve? Will you be supported and equipped or is it just too much? These were my questions at the start of the year and might even be yours. Hi, I'm Jasmine and I'm 23 years old. I've always had a passion and drive to support young people. However, I struggle to balance things well between ministry, work and personal life. At the start of the year, I was serving in kids' ministry, but my previous experiences created a hesitancy as I had been left largely unsupported in the past. This was not the case with Accelerate. I was then provided with equipping to lead well and met with holistic support as I transitioned into the role of Primary Kids Coordinator. I learnt the value of creating a ministry that is built on vision in classes, we strategized and used each other as a soundboard to empower us in ministry. This helped in establishing new beliefs that I wasn't alone and had the capacity to lead. 
highlighting that leadership is best done in a team environment. I could not have achieved this without the close connection to the pastor's staff and training team, including being invited behind the scenes to how things worked in church, specifically when we did a deep dive into a book, Simple Church, that had created a new perspective for our discipleship process and ministry area. The Accelerate environment provided accountability, oversight and wisdom while encouraging me to try new things and keep stepping out of my comfort zone. While every year looks different and you never know what to expect, I came in reluctantly to lead and learnt that it is my God-given responsibility and what has been poured into me I can now share with others. Highlighted in the responsibility we have to lead, I'll leave you with this passage. Luke 12, 48 reads, From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. So Jazz touched on an interesting feature of this year that we really have never had before at Accelerate class over the 22 years and that was because of the smaller group we're able to bring them into our staff meetings um, brought them into behind the scenes stuff but you've signed that disclosure agreement so (laughs) she can't share too much so don't ask her any questions about what really goes on but it was really unique and as she mentioned there we we spent as a as a staff with the students we spent 10 weeks going through this book called simple churches our church is just in a time of transition and looking deeper into how do we do discipleship better how do we do church better how do we see more lives transformed and it was really impacting for you ladies wasn't it so what really stuck out to you in that book and in that time jazz i think just really learning to strip back to what the core value is behind a church which is connecting like others to god and connecting others to community as well learning that they're a part of a bigger vision and yeah, and then just also the part of actually really as a church, our message is to go and reach people and connect with others. Mm. So I think that really gave me the focus and drive and vision behind doing the kids' church as well. Yeah. So the vision of the book was just so eye-opening, not only um, for how we do the church, but also actually doing the church also reflects on how we do our kids' church and youth and different things too. So just a really clear overview of we really just want to love God well, love each other really well, and, yeah, love our community as well. Excellent. And Jazz was just so impressive the way she picked up this revelation and these insights and then went from just being a student and all of a sudden there was an opportunity uh, to actually run the kids' ministry. And amazing, at 23, to see a need, to step up, to take responsibilities, just a real reflection on your heart for God. It wasn't because she felt she had to or, or, or we asked her to. It was just really out of her own heart, willing to serve God, willing to serve Him. And uh, a lot of people struggle with that, Jazz. They think that it's about doing stuff around the church, but Jazz sees that it's God's will and that when she serves a child out there, that she's really serving God first and I think that that's amazing so well done Jazz well done on a great year so let's hear from uh, Olivia third one my name is Olivia and I am 21 years old I'm in my second year of intense discipleship training each year the training team face unusual unique challenges in preparing for another year of training this year I've felt that my own unique circumstances were also thoughtfully considered 
including being empowered to step into a major ministry leadership role and the flexibility to begin studying psychology through this focused discipleship year. This enabled me to take a small step towards a future career, unhindered and fully supported in this year of training. In this way, I've constantly been empowered to take ownership of my decisions. I've had the space to keep growing into the woman I believe God's calling me to be. And I've been entrusted with responsibilities that I hadn't yet had the chance to dream up. There was, ironically, no shortage of new opportunities. At times, it appeared that my conscientious, planned personality conflicted with the flexibility required of me throughout the year. The training and support from Accelerate helped me not simply to let go of control, but to become agile, to be quick responding and quick acting. Proficient agility has been particularly valuable in times of change and uncertainty. In particular, my heart was stirring with passion for youth ministry to influence the lives of young teens. Now I see that God will always purposefully stir passion in our hearts, quite often before we know why. I'm grateful that he prepared me with vision because when the opportunity arose to lead the ministry early this year, I felt that it was my Esther for such a time as this moment. Training has increased my capacity for leadership, beginning with confidently leading my own life. Leadership is not going to look the same for everyone. However, I have been fortunate that it has outworked in a clear, direct path in my life. I've been grateful for many encouragements to learn new skills and explore new approaches as I grow to be a confident and humble leader. Accelerate has helped me to create a space for God to have full access to my heart. This environment has broadened my understanding on what it means to stay agile through each life event in order to fulfill passions and live with greater purpose. Well spoken. Is, isn't it great watching yourself in a video? I had a little bow at the end, but they cut it out. <laughs> no, just kidding. I never watch myself after I've preached. Don't worry, it's horrible. Um, amazing, Olivia. Maybe we'd love to hear a little bit. What, what's your relationship with God been like with all of these responsibilities you mentioned and different things going on? Olivia may be insane, but she stepped into discipleship this year. She's doing psychology, first year of psychology. She started a relationship with uh, some buffhead out there. Oh, sorry, Jack Waller, not buffhead. Uh, she started a relationship this year. So just taking on so much, um, as well as she's lived with Zoe and I, so that's a, that's a big challenge as well. So <laughs> what, what was that like? How did that shape your relationship with God, your character, like taking on all those things? Yeah, I think one thing um, about Accelerate has been if you want it to be a course, it's going to be a course. But if you want to use it as a space to find and grow in God and let him transform you, then that's what it's going to be and that's what the fruit's going to be of it. Uh, and I think being able to have different things on my plate and, like I said in the video, take a small step towards a future where I think I want to go, um, although now I think it's not as linear as I once thought, uh, I, I think it really helps uh, having the space in Accelerate and uh, letting God work the way that he wanted to and, and finding him as well in... Uh, daily life and, and, yeah. and not just that I have three hours in the morning because that's not realistic and it's not yeah. going to be for the rest of my life. Um, yeah. So finding uh, little pockets of God and uh, and his faithfulness has really held me mm. all through my discipleship journey and mm. my time in Melbourne and that's a part of his character that I'm really grateful that I've found and yeah. finding. 
Yeah, and it's and it's so true. I mean, we've all watched Olivia and all of you develop. And I mean, Olivia came out of high school into Accelerate at the start. Now you're 21 and there's mm -hmm. been so much growth in the last few years. And just to really see a personal relationship with Jesus, yourself, all of you ladies, develop. That's, that's what this is all about. Mm -hmm. It's really about you having a relationship with God that can get you through the challenges of life that are going to come ahead. So really, really well done. So we're going to give you your uh, certificates and uh, graduate you officially this morning. So we have a little gift for them. They have no idea what this gift is. You have to ask them afterwards because uh, it's really, really special. I'm not going to let it out of the bag, but... Uh Great. So I would like to officially uh, present to you the Accelerate Discipleship Training second year class of 2021. Well done. Well done, ladies. And uh, I'm going to pass over to Pastor Pete now. He's just going to pray for them, just to commission them and just to Fantastic. set them off on their way as they graduate. Great. Let's gather around. It's been a team effort from start to finish and uh, we, we can't be more proud of you girls, so let, let's pray. And, uh, you know, I was just thinking about you this morning and praying about you this morning. And uh, uh, as alluded already, connect, grow, reach. Uh, character, leadership, influence. Three things. And the three things that God really put on my heart, uh, the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with everything that you've got. Tick. Well done. The character side. You've loved God. You've seen him in everything. You've, you've pursued him and let him pursue you in, in every way. And uh, I just feel his pleasure in that, that this is a, an ongoing relationship uh, that's eternal. The second is a great commission. Uh, you've been discipled, so disciple others. Grow with others. Uh, you know, disciple them in your connect group, in your life groups, uh, in your, in your homes, your families. Uh, you're always now a commissioned discipler to disciple others, teaching them uh, by your example by the way you live your life. And the third thing is the cultural commission, which is the reach. Mm. There's an influence out there that God is asking, calling, desiring you to, to influence others, to, to let them know the Christ in you, the hope of glory uh, is, is needed to be seen by, by others in your workplaces and, and, and uh, those circle of influences that you come in that are outside the church, outside uh, the, the body of believers, if you like, and God is asking you three things. Great commission, uh, keep going, the great commandment, love the Lord your God, and, uh, and reach and restore those back to him. Mm. So, Lord, we, we take this incredible opportunity to commission them mm. into those three things, Lord God. Connect, grow, reach. Uh, that their influence and impact will be incredible. It will be humble. It will be relational uh, in every way. And draw them back into a beautiful and, uh, uh, and wonderful relationship that others have uh, or they have with you, that others would know what this love, this hope, this joy, this peace, uh, particularly at Christmas time, but beyond this year uh, for the rest of their lives. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 Why don't we give them another round of applause? Right. 
just to finish off, I just uh, some of you will be aware that we're going to put the program uh, down next year, put have a, have a rest in in 2022. This is the first time uh, in 22 years since 1999 that we won't have full-time discipleship training in this church. We've had an incredible, uh, rich, rich legacy of discipleship training, and uh, I know it's uh, it's quite sad for a lot of us because it's really special to our hearts. Uh, lots of us have been deeply, deeply. Uh, impacted by the discipleship training, whether that's been full-time or part-time or the different versions we've had over the 22 years. Uh, It's been a really special, unique part of our culture uh, as a church. Many people have met each other in the course and then got married. I can see couples around the church that that is the truth for them. So it's been a phenomenal impact. Uh, But we we, we felt to put it down, the eldership and I, in 2022, just because it's taken a real battering uh, during COVID been really really difficult a huge special part of the course is actually allowing the students um, organizing trips for them overseas or around Australia and often new students come out of those trips and we haven't been able to do that for the last couple of years and it's had a huge impact impact on that recruitment side so rather than push ahead and force it and struggle and and fight and all these things we just really felt in God let's just let it go for a year and let's just really trust God maybe God will bring it back maybe he won't Maybe it will come back in some time, type of different form. I don't know. Um, but we really want to trust God with that. And I'm wondering this morning if you might stand with me. And I would just like to pray and just pray that God would bring something back in some kind of form in the future because it's very special and dear to us as a church. But we really got to hand it over to Him and see what He does. Would you stand with me this morning as we just seek God? Lord, Accelerate, uh, C2D, Masters Commission, all these different names we've had for this program over the years, Lord God. Lord, it's affected many of us in this church, Lord God, and those that are new here and see our strength and see our heart, a lot of it has come because of this course, Lord God, and we're grateful for that, Lord God. You are a faithful God. You give us such good gifts, and we're so grateful for everything we've enjoyed over the last 22 years of unbroken, full-time discipleship training in this church. But we, always, we also know, Lord God, that you're a God that's not afraid to take things away. You're not afraid to prune. You're not afraid to tra- change things, Lord God. And we totally and utterly trust you in that, Lord God. And like we've done many times in handing this church over to you, Lord God, we again hand over this program to you, Lord God. We don't know the future. We don't know all the details, but you alone know. And we trust you, Lord God. But we do ask, Lord, and seek you, please bring something back, Lord God. Do something, Lord God, in the future, Lord God. Whatever it is, Lord God, that it would be by your grace, Lord God, that it would come back, Lord God. It would be by the move of the Holy Ghost, Lord God. Not by any man or woman or system or organization, but by you, Lord God. We want something even for the future generation to have the opportunity to spend a year, two years in prayer, in training, in learning, in theological studies, in ministry trips, and all of these great things that impact people, especially young people, Lord God especially young 18, 19, 20-year-olds, they need an opportunity to, to, to be spiritually formed and shaped in an environment, Lord God, full of prayer and teaching and mentoring. And we believe in these things. We know these things come from you, Lord God, but we hand it to you and we seek you, Lord God, waiting on what you will do in the future. In your mighty name, amen. Amen. Bless you. Thank you for praying with me. Thank you, ladies. Thank you. Well, we've just seen the way that Jesus has impacted three lives. Um, and that's one of the reasons that we give um, to, a, to a church is to see Jesus impact lives. So we're going to just...
pass some buckets through the aisles. So if you're wanting to give um, today, please feel free. If you're wanting to give cash that way, you can do it online. Um, and many of you do that, and we're very, very grateful for that um, as well. Um, Caleb is going to come and share very, very soon. Uh, his, we're doing a series called Hope is Here. And the big thing that impacted me from um, this series so far is just, you know, that hope that is placed in Jesus will never, ever disappoint. You know, we can place our hope in many, many things, but it can, it can lead to nothing. But hope in Jesus never disappoints. And today, um, his sermon is actually titled, Death Threats. How cool is that for a sermon? Sermon title. So, I've got no idea what it's about, but I'm really looking forward to him unpacking this sermon called Death Threats. Thank you. threats. What threatens our hope? We're talking about hope at the moment. So last week we spoke about hope and does anyone remember the definition of hope from last week? What is the definition of hope? No one, no one out there. Did anyone listen to the sermon? Is anyone, is anyone with me, tracking with me? Hope is the expectation of good. So when we're hopeful, we're full of this expectation that good things are going to happen. When we're hopeless, it's because we're not expecting good to happen. We're pessimistic, we're cynical, we're concerned. And we spoke last week about hope in a Christian sense being different. Christian hope is different to other kinds of hope. We can put our hope in money, in, in, in our position, our status, our, our good looks, our, our, our victim story, whatever we want. There's lots of things we can draw hope from to try and give us some sense that we're going to be okay. And that's what humans look for, a sense that things are going to be okay because disappointment sucks. Getting let down is painful. Betrayal, injustice is hurtful. We need hope. And humans use all kinds of funny things to make themselves feel hopeful about getting up tomorrow. But Christian hope is different. It will never disappoint. Money will let you down. Friends will turn their backs on you. Christian hope is different because Christian hope is tied up with Jesus Christ. And as the sermon of our title, our title sermon was last week, this baby, Jesus, baby Jesus, he won't disappoint you. God will never let you down. It's the only thing in this world you can put hope in that will never, ever fail. And the great thing is, it's Christmas time. Who's excited? Yeah. Oh, Christmas presents. You know what? We put up our tree yesterday. Put up our tree yesterday and our lights and everything. And Jed, my four-year-old, came out this morning to the Christmas tree thinking there would be presents. Because we put the tree up yesterday. But there's no presence there. So still the concept of Christmas is coming, he didn't get that. So he was, he was disappointed. But Jesus will never disappoint you. Christmas trees might, might, but Jesus will never disappoint you. And this is the season of hope, the Christmas season of hope. But as a Christian, if you're a Christian, Christmas isn't just the season of hope. It's always the season of hope for those that have faith in Jesus Christ. We're going to read from Matthew chapter 2 this morning. So if you want to grab your Bibles out, we're actually going to cover the first 18 verses this morning. I'll start off with verse 1 to 12, and you might want to follow along with me, or you can just watch the slide behind me. 
After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Anyone smell anything fishy there? After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Hope is a star that leads us to Jesus. The Magi saw a star rise in the sky. Their journey probably took up to two years, scholars told us, tell us. They came from the east for two years. If you notice, by the time they got to Jesus, he wasn't in a stable. The nativity stories at Christmas have been lying to us. He was with Mary in a house. So he's probably a toddler by this point, Jesus. But they had followed that star for years until they came to Herod, to Jerusalem, and to that star. The star that we follow will lead us somewhere. Hope is a star, like a north star that's going to lead your life in a particular direction. When your hope is in Jesus, that star and Jesus become synonymous and it leads you in a godly direction. You know, I've seen these three ladies that graduated today and watched them over the last few years. Zoe came from Queensland, Jazz from South Australia. So they've come interstate down here. I didn't didn't know them uh, before this year. And they've followed Jesus. And Jesus has filled them with hope, filled them with purpose, but has also led them in a particular direction. Who knows that when you follow Jesus, you don't stand still? Who knows that when you follow Jesus, He's constantly leading you step by step in a particular direction. And where Jesus leads you, every step is a step of hope. Every step is a step closer to destiny. Every step is a step further in your calling as a human being. And every step is super duper easy. No, it's not. I lie to you. It's not always easy. Every step's also filled with trial and temptation, fear and anxiety and all these pressures that we feel. But then we have to choose. And I've seen these three ladies do it time and time again over the last two years. You imagine stepping into a full-time discipleship training course like they have that promises you trips overseas and trips around Australia and classmates that you'll pray with every day in person. 
And all of that has just been stolen. Most of their two years has been done online. They have never been on any trip. They've barely even left the vicinity of Frankston. Zoe and Jasmine, I'm not sure if they've even returned home in two years to see their family. Sometimes following that star, that godly star, that hope for the future doesn't lead us into the nicer situations. But I'm telling you, what it will do is it's going to grow your trust in God, grow your faith, grow your relationship with Jesus. They might not, they might have missed so many prayer times with their class together, but I've seen them in their personal prayer times with Jesus grow again and again and again. There is some star that you are following. There is something that influences the direction of your life. There is some north star, some north on the compass, something that takes you forward. It's, if it's not Jesus, it's going to be something else. And you're going to end somewhere else. If it's Jesus, you're going to end in hope. You're going to end full of faith. And no matter what the steps look like, Jesus is going to be with you the whole way. Interestingly, the Magi, who come from the east over two years, uh, these wise men, we call them, were astrologers. They were people who looked to the stars. They were people who were involved in black magic. They were people who were foreigners to Israel. It was actually forbidden by the Jews to look to the stars for answers. It was considered a, a, a mortal sin. But God sends up his stars and these heathens, these pagans, these, these, these men of false religions, these men who look to the stars for answers, not to God, are actually drawn by this one star, by God himself, to baby Jesus. And we see in the story here that I just read you in Matthew, that this baby Jesus that's going to be born to the world is not just a baby for the insiders. It's not just a baby for the Jewish people. It's, just, it's not just a baby for the people who live in Jerusalem. It's not just a baby for those who know and those who understand and those who can see. It's, we see right at the beginning of the story of Jesus that God is reaching to the ends of the earth to those who have no understanding of the Christian God, to those that aren't in the right place, to those that don't know the right people, that don't have the right connections, and even those most unlikely people are drawn to Jesus Christ. This is the story of Christmas. This is the story of the Son of God coming to earth, that He draws the marginalized, the unlikely, the non-believers, the outsiders. Jesus isn't just hope for those who know. Jesus is hope for all people. As Matthew would, will say later on in Matthew chapter 12, in His name, the nations will put their hope. The forces... There is forces and there was forces that will always attempt to hijack our hope. Who feels like their hope is under threat at the moment? <laughs> Who feels like your hope in God often gets threatened? Someone, something, somebody, some comment, some situation, some circumstance seeks to hijack your hope, your expectation of good. The wise men, the Magi, come into Jerusalem to worship this king, the son of God. But Herod is there. Herod is there as a great threat to hijack the hope of these men who are seeking Jesus. There's manipulation. There's cunning. 
there's abuse. There's all kinds of things that are going to be at your hope. Just like Herod, this brutal, tyrannical leader was there to try and take from the Magi, try and take from the world what Jesus could offer everyone. And God, again, shows up to these non-believers, you might say, in a dream and says, don't go home via Herod, but go home a different way. God shows up, and we'll see this later, to Joseph in a dream because of the threat of Herod and says to escape away to Egypt. God will always provide a way out. But finally, and we'll move on to the next part of the story, you've got to worship when you arrive. The Magi travel for years to come to Jesus, this star of hope, Jesus, the hope for the world. And when they arrive, what do they do? These great men, these wise men, these astrologers who look to the star, they don't arrive and say, look, we found it. I'm going to write a book about my experience. I'm going to become a public figure now. I was the one who first reported on Jesus being born to the world. No, they didn't. They bowed on their knees. They brought gifts in generosity. They came to worship Jesus, not to take from Jesus, not to receive from Jesus, not to try and get in on early on the Jesus movement. They came to worship. They came to give. They came to bow their knees. I just want to encourage you in this season that we're living in, especially here in Victoria, I want to encourage you, hope that's under threat. Hope is trying to be hijacked from you. The hope of Jesus is trying to be confused. And your worship is under threat. Don't allow anything to take your heart away from worshiping God. You know, I've had so many pastoral conversations over the last two years, you wouldn't believe, with COVID and lockdowns and all the difficulties that we're all experiencing. And one thing that saddens me is when people lose their ability to worship. They lose their heart of worship. They forget that church and God and the Bible and Jesus and pastors and all these things, it's all about worship. We're all here because we want to bring glory to God. People get caught on someone's trying to take something from me. Someone's trying to put me on some roster. Someone's trying to get me to come to church on Sunday. No, 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 no. No one's trying to do all of that. We just want to worship together. We just want to be the family of God and bring glory to God and pray together and worship together. That's the purpose. But when we forget the purpose, we can come to baby Jesus in the major like the wise men, but we're distracted with other things. But what God requires of us is to take a knee, to humble ourselves, and to remember that Jesus is King of all the earth. Can you imagine these wise men bowing down to this baby in a stable? That is the heart of worship. Don't lose your heart of worship. If you lose your heart of worship, you'll lose your hope. Now, Mary and Joseph, let's turn to Matthew chapter 2 again and verse 13. Mary and Joseph, by this time, a couple of years later, Jesus is a, is, a, is, a, is a toddler now. The wise men have come. You know, they're feeling pretty good about themselves. All of a sudden, they've gone from pretty ordinary people from Nazareth to people that have gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You know, they've gone into kind of the middle class now of Jewish society. They're not poor anymore. They've had angels appear. They've had shepherds come. They've had magi come from the east. I mean, they're feeling pretty good about their future. They're feeling pretty full of hope. Jesus, they've got when they took him to the temple, if you remember, to get dedicated. People were running. 
Simeon and, 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 and what's the woman's name in the temple? Running to give prophecies over Jesus. I mean, there's a lot of buzz about this baby. Mary and Joseph are going to be feeling pretty good about themselves. They've had multiple appearances from angels. But all of a sudden, their hope is threatened and their good life runs into some problems. Verse 13. When they, so the Magi, had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet. Through the prophet Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled of voices heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. I've got great news for you this morning. This different kind of hope that Christians are involved in, Christian hope, it outlasts every threat. God doesn't promise that you'll never be threatened, but God is promising you today and reminding you today that His hope, faith in Jesus, will outlast any threat, any situation, any circumstance. You may feel like you're on a cliff edge. And there's so many people who do right now. You feel like your life is on a cliff edge. Maybe you feel like your faith is on a cliff edge. So many people during COVID have, have given up faith in Jesus. Have given up church attendance. Because we feel pushed to the edge. We feel life is just so overwhelming us that it's, that it's difficult to even see the forest from the trees, what's church, what's God, what's Jesus, what's Bible, what's the right thing, what's the right thing. But I want to encourage you, Christian hope, it stands the test of time. Don't look to situations, don't look at the circumstances, look to Jesus, because faith in Him, it will outlast any problem that you may be enduring. This is the great message of Christianity. And guess what? Great hope invites great threats. When Jesus came as the King of all the world, the Savior who was going to set people free from their hurt and pain and bondage, do you think that that was just going to fly under the radar? Do you think that He was just going to cruise in the side door without any issues? No, great hope creates great threat. If you want to do something for God, if you want to live your life as a Christian and follow Jesus, if you want to raise your children to be great young men and women of God, those great hopes are going to invite great threats. There's a devil who wants to take you out. There's evil that wants to pull you down. There's people that don't want you to succeed. Everything in this world will try to stop you. That's why you need Jesus. Any great hope you have will encounter great threats. Do you feel threatened at the moment? Do you feel like your expectation of good has been a little bit poisoned lately? 
You know, last weekend, last Sunday night, we had invited all the young adults in our church over to our house. Zoe and I had a barbecue and we had about 25 young adults there. It was just a fantastic night, just so much joy, so much hope. Uh, it, was just, it was just brilliant, just reconnecting again after lockdowns, just touching base again. And we did that because, you know, young adults have been particularly ravaged during COVID. The statistics that are coming out is that 50% of young adults that were in the church in 2019 are no longer attending church. Attending church. So post-COVID, one in two young adults aren't in a church family anymore. That is a, that is a devastating statistic. Young people have been totally thrown. Their hope, their certainty, their faith, their routines, what they knew before has been totally thrown. Maybe you've got a son, a daughter, maybe you are a young adult, maybe you've got a friend and you've seen this already. And it's been so sad because God has kind of been thrown in with church and everything and it's all got mixed up and then it's like, oh, I don't really want to go to church anymore. So then, you know, God's not really a thing anymore and it's just been so sad. It breaks my heart as a pastor, absolutely breaks my heart. Nothing is worse than seeing young people get thrown from their faith. And even worse, when you try to help them, they don't, want to, they don't want any help. Why? Because hope is always under threat. Christian hope. There's nothing in this world that will be attacked more than your faith and hope in Jesus Christ. Everything will come to criticize that, to pull that down, to put division between that. Anyone who wants to help you in your journey with Jesus, everything will work to divide you from those people. That's why people get divided from church not because our church is something special or that church down the road is something special, but church is community. Church is in this building. Church is in this service that we're in. Church is the people. It's the community. It's walking together, shoulder to shoulder, heart to heart, following Jesus. Everything will try to stop you from hanging out with those kind of people because if you do, guess what's going to happen? You're going to get full of hope. You're going to get full of faith. You're going to learn to fix your eyes on Jesus all the junk is going to get cleaned away. And guess what? Evil, the enemy, does not want that. So this morning, I just want us to sing this song again, if we can. I just really want you to open up your heart to God this morning. Because I just really believe that God is going to show you that star again. That star that's going to move through the sky. And guess where it stops? It stops right on top of Jesus. Hope leads to Jesus. Jesus is the hope of the world. So many of us are threatened. Our hope is threatened. Our faith is threatened. Our, our Christian community is threatened. You know, it's been threatened by 50 Sundays. We've, we've missed 50 Sundays the last two years in Victoria. I talk to my pastor friends on the phone from different states. They, they, they just don't get it. They don't understand what we've been through down here. And you know me, I'm definitely not on about some kind of victim story. I'm, I'm about finding a way through the trial, through the valley of the shadow of death. Always remembering that death is a shadow. It's not really a thing. It's just a shadow of a thing. But Jesus leads us through the potential fear. And we realize it's just a sad shadow. It's just a valley. But the good shepherd leads us through. Amen. And that's what I want you to be filled with hope. Not because of a sermon or a song. I want you to be filled with hope because Jesus is here. Jesus is here. Jesus loves you. Jesus has come down. God himself came to earth in the form of a human being to show us the way forward. Why don't we just stand and just lead us in the song, Dan. Just open up your heart to God this morning.
You can fly. You can fly. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope. You restore every heart that is broken. Great are you, Lord. You can fly. You give life, you are love, you bring light to the darkness, you give hope, you restore every heart that is broken. Great are you, Lord. Great are you. your breath. It's your breath in our lives. So we pour out our praise, pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lives. So we pour out our praise to you all. It's your breath. Close your eyes this morning. You know, God.
is involved in our lives. God is not far off in heaven during times of crisis. His arm is not too short to reach down and help you. He is not unable to hear your prayers and the cries of your heart. Joseph and Mary were under threat. There was a death threat from the king of the land. The ruler of the land was threatening to kill baby Jesus along with all the other children under two. And God provided an escape. He provided a dream. Joseph, get up, take your family, go to Egypt. He provided a safe haven. He provided a way out. He provided hope in a time of murder, a dark time, a time of crying and weeping, a time of upheaval, a time of great uncertainty. And right now, if you need an escape, I just believe God is here. He's going to speak into your heart. He's going to show you the escape route amongst your own uncertainty. Lots of this, with, because of COVID and lockdowns and everything, you know, emotion is at an all-time high. I've never seen so much emotion in people. Negative emotions. Emotions are okay. We're not afraid of those. But a lot of negative emotion is very difficult. It's very difficult to live with the weight and burden of negative emotion day in, day out. But I'm telling you, God will provide a way through. Your thinking won't solve your problems. As we've said the last few weeks, you're not going to brunch your way to mental health. You're not going to brunch your way to spiritual depth. But you can pray your way there. You can read the Bible to get there. You can reach out to God. And for all of us, I just really feel God saying this morning that every threat does end. Eventually Herod dies. Eventually the season of threat passes. Eventually the murder and the mayhem is over. Mary and Joseph and Jesus return to Judea, return to Nazareth where he grows up. Nothing can outlast Christian hope. Every threat eventually ends, but God is faithful to the end. Many of us this morning need to align our hearts, our minds, our lives back with that truth. God is faithful. Maybe you need to say that out loud this morning. Maybe you need to pray that in your heart. You just spend some time with God. Maybe you're not even sure if it's true. Maybe you're feeling like, I don't know. Maybe you're here this morning or watching online and you're not even sure if, if about Jesus and the whole Christian thing. But I encourage you this morning just to declare the truth. God is faithful. My hope is in Jesus. It can outlast any threat. What a powerful line. If you say that every day this week for seven days, it'll change your heart. It'll change your thinking. It'll renew your mind. My hope is in Jesus. Every threat will end. Eventually, Herod died. Eventually, the threat passed. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Lord, I just pray for confidence today in this building, confidence today for everyone sitting on their couch at home. Lord, I just pray for assurance, Lord God. Assurance is something, Lord God, that we have from you. 
You don't give assurance or give confidence, Lord God. You are our confidence. You are assured, Lord God. You are hope, Lord God. Hope came in the form of Jesus Christ, the incarnation, Emmanuel. God is with us. What greater hope could we have that God Himself came down from heaven and became a human being in order to show us how to live, in order to show us how to conduct ourselves, in order to show us how to get through every circumstance. We know that this life is a life of threat, a life of confrontation, a life of pain. We know that, Lord God, but you came into this mess as a real human person and showed us that we can win, showed us that we can be successful, showed us that we can be whole, showed us that we can worship even in the worst situations that we can worship, Lord God. Some of you might need to get your heart right with God this morning because unlike the wise men, you've lost your heart of worship. You've got caught on church and people and pastors and groups and opinions and politics and whatever. If you're involved in anything that's taking away your heart to just worship God for who He is, then you're crazy. You're distracted. You're caught up in the things of this world. Let nothing poison your heart to just worship God. That pure, simple, I just love you, Jesus. I just glorify you, Jesus. You are the king of the world, Jesus. If these foreign magi who are into the black arts and astrology can come and recognize Jesus and fall on their knees and say, this is the son of God, surely we can have a revelation of Christ again and again and again. Let that be the cry of your heart. Jesus, give me a new revelation of who you are. You know, a new environment, a new circumstance offers a new opportunity to see Jesus afresh. It wasn't until the disciples saw Jesus in the boat in the storm that some of them went, wow, this is who Jesus is. This is who I've been hanging out with this last couple of years. This guy can calm storms by the power of his word. Jesus, we need a fresh revelation of who you are. This Christmas, Lord God, let us not just hear the nativity story again and again and let it not affect us. You know, there's a new revelation for you if you believe in Jesus. There's a new dimension. If you're here and you're, or you're watching you don't believe in Jesus, then Jesus is speaking to you this morning. He's going to speak to you during this Christmas and show you that He's not just a religious festival. He's not just a story from the Middle Ages. Jesus is real, He's here, and He's come to give you hope and joy and peace among the threats. Thank you, Lord God.